Welcome to Stuff We Love Podcast. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Stuff We Love Podcast. I am your host, Scott, and I am happy and honored to be joined tonight by two legends returning to the podcast for another appearance. We'll start with Dan. Dan is a music aficionado. He's been on a bunch. When he's on, he's talking about the Beatles. He's talking about David Bowie, the Stones, all this great stuff. And it's wonderful to have him back tonight. Dan, how are you? I'm doing well, Scott. How are you? Doing okay. And then another returning champion shares my name, Scott. Scott is another music aficionado. When he's on, he's talking music. He's talking Disney. He's also been here for the Stone Show and a bunch of our other music episodes. And it's wonderful to have him back tonight. Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Scott. I feel like it's been a long time. I think the Stones episode might have been the last time. So happy to be back. Uh, Thanks for the invite and looking forward to tonight's topic. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I wanted to begin by telling you guys that I'm able to see as one of the administrators of the podcast, what episodes people have been listening to. And of course, when we drop a new episode, it's that episode that gets the most listens and, you know, recent ones, generally speaking, it's always surprising to me that previous episodes in our series. So music playlist episodes, Beatles episodes, those still get listens. And it could be months and months after those are released and it'll still get downloads here and there, which I think is great. That makes me very happy to see. And tonight we are going to do a show that was proposed by Dan. So Dan, I'm going to tell our listeners what it's about and correct me if I get this wrong, but I think I got it. Our listeners know that Dan, Scott, and I are huge Beatles fans. And we talk a lot about the Beatles on the podcast, but we, we, and we sometimes talk about other musical artists we like. The topic for tonight's episode is the top five musical artists for each of us. So we're going to talk top five bands or singers, whichever one we prefer, why it is that that particular artist is one of our favorites. And we're each going to give a couple of song highlights as we go through each artist. And uh, it's going to be in no particular order. So random selection of our top five artists. And Scott, you mentioned before we started recording tonight, the answers we give tonight could change tomorrow because this is such a influx topic. Exactly. Yeah, I think a lot of it depends on like your current mood. We might have two or three that are consistently in the top five for us, right, outside of the Beatles. But those numbers four and five could just kind of shift on the time of season, the time of mood you're in. So. Indeed. I agree with that completely. And uh, before we get to the episode, as I do every Stuff We Love podcast, let me begin by just asking you guys what you've been up to. Spring is here. Have you watched any baseball? Um, anything going on of note? Golf for me, um, you know, since the pandemic started in 2020, I took up, I took upon golf since it was something I could do outside and social distance myself from True. others. So, and that's kind of just bled into 2021 and now I'm starting to back up this year. So golf and uh, Disney trips. I just got back from a nice 10 night stay uh, at Walt Disney World Resort and it was fantastic. So golf and Disney for me. And I know from your Instagram, you've been golfing at Disney, which is very cool. Yes, I, I did. We, we golfed at Lake Buena Vista on our last trip, which awesome. is the, my favorite of the Disney courses. It goes through, you know, my home resort, Disney's Old Key West, Saratoga Springs. You see pieces of French Quarter and um, of Riverside, the, the Port Orleans resorts. It's Beautiful. just a gorgeous. It, it, it spells out Disney, whereas the other ones, um, the, uh, the ones where you go through Shades of Green, the Magnolia and Palm, mm-hmm. okay golf courses, but you really don't feel the Disney touch until the end of the course where you can like see the monorail, which is pretty cool, but the rest right. of it just feels like a normal course. So very cool. Well, 
glad you're enjoying the golf and enjoying the Disney trips. That's awesome. And Dan, how about you? I've been I've been uh, wrapped up. I direct the uh, the spring musical at at the school I work at. So uh, I've been wrapped up with that. It's it's like another full time job. Um, so I've been doing that since January. Um, COVID kind of elongated our season. So usually we uh, we we go up on uh, at the end of March. We're now going up at the end of April. So it's uh, been a little bit longer this year, but uh, it's going to be a, a a great show. So it's very rewarding when all said and done. Awesome, man. That's great. Good luck with that. And um, thank you. This is all good stuff. And with that, why don't we turn to the topic? Then we'll get into the show. And as we go through each artist, I'm making a list. So at the end, I'll do a look back and say, okay, these were Scott's top five. These are Dan's and so forth. And uh, Dan, I figured since this was your idea tonight, I'm going to start with you. So uh, let's go through it. Begin, my friend. All right. Sounds good. So uh, for the first pick of my top five, um, I have to go with really before I, I, I became a, a big Beatles fan. It was the first first band that I really, really got into. Um, it might be surprising, but uh, my first pick is Queen um, for my top five. Um, and I think I discovered Queen, even though I'd heard, you know, some songs, uh, you know, beforehand growing up, even though I didn't realize it was them. I, I think I discovered Queen the same way most people in our age group did. Um, you know, the scene in Wayne's World with Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, and uh, it's kind of like, what, what the heck is that song? What's that? And uh, I had to check it out. Um, bought the uh, classic Queen cassette tape, um, digested that, and then Greatest Hits. Um, and uh, that was... I think in sixth grade and I had just gotten a, uh, my first guitar. Um, and, uh, I kind of wanted to play like, like Brian May. Um, and that, that did not happen, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) did not happen at all. But, um, it, it, it's what actually led me to the Beatles because I was getting frustrated, you know, trying to, trying to, uh, learn these songs. And I, I had a, um, really good, um, guitar teacher uh, who said, if you really want to learn the instrument, you really want to pick up songs. Uh, it's like, go to, you know, the music store, get a Beatles cassette or, or CD or, or record. And I don't care which one, anyone, and just listen to it and then try to pick up those songs. And I went and I got, um, I went that night and got the, the, the red and the blue album um, and started listening to that. And then I was able to finally, you know, <laughs> pick up uh pick up songs and 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 get more into the playing um but my my i guess my first guitar hero was was brian may so um so yeah queen is definitely my 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 first choice and you know everybody knows um uh you know bohemian rhapsody and another one bites the dust and under pressure but if i if i had to pick like a top queen song it would be somebody to love Mm. um which is off of great song um, and it's off of uh, a day at the races album, which is follow up to a night on night at the opera. Scott, are you a Queen fan? I am a Queen fan. Um, Brian May is. I don't. I don't know if he's like underrated or not because I feel like I don't hear him brought up enough. You know, with like Jimmy Page and other great guitarists, but he he's got a unique style that um, as Dan tried to like learn <laughs> learn from and mimic and just could not. You know, it, it's it's tough to do. Um, I'm going to go with an underrated song, if you don't mind, that I really like, enjoy by Queen. 
it's off of a night at the opera which we all know that album bohemian rhapsody is from that record mm-hmm. but there's a song called love of my life it's like oh, this yeah. ballad and i think brian may plays the harp on that i know there's a mm-hmm. harp i think it is brian may who plays the harp and it has a great piano progression and um just not a well-known queen song i think but it's uh it's one of my favorites for sure yeah that's a great choice uh, and dan great selection to start it off with queen i believe i saw on the news that the author of the film Bohemian Rhapsody is writing a John Lennon biopic, which is kind of cool to think about. Oh, interesting. Interesting. I, I remember uh, when Bohemian Rhapsody was out, everybody was going to the theaters to see that. That was a big deal of all, all ages. I remember I went and there were teenagers to senior citizens, a very broad age group. Yeah, it definitely brought them back into the, into the public eye, and uh, which was great to see people, you know, uh, rediscover that music or discover it for the first time. Yes. Um, but I wa- wanted to pick up on something Scott said. Yeah, I would agree that Brian May is definitely a underrated guitar player. And um, there's a lot of things. Uh, I mean, uh, he was uh, finger tapping before Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, Eddie Van Halen actually uh, got the idea for uh, finger tapping from uh, Brian May and Jimmy Page um, and then incorporated it into what he was doing. But people uh, kind of look past that and uh you know lavish all of it on on uh, on eddie but you know neither here nor there <laughs> so scott before we turn it over to you there's one thing i wanted to point out that i don't know if i mentioned at the beginning of the episode when it came to the rules when i said we're not going to include the beatles tonight i can't remember if i said that when i say beatles i'm not just talking about the music john paul george and ringo made together but i'm talking about what each individual member of the group did after the group broke up. So Paul's solo career, Wings, George, John, and Ringo, their work post-Beatles, that's not included because for me, at least, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but when I think of the Beatles, I kind of look at it as kind of like a Beatles world. You know, everything falls under that umbrella. So I just wanted to mention that. I don't think I did earlier. So for me, for example, Paul McCartney is one of my top artists, but I'm not going to include that because he's under the the Beatles umbrella. Just wanted to get that out of the way so our listeners know what's up. That makes sense. I purposely avoided traveling Wilburys because of that as well. <laughs> That's an interesting. I guess that would fall under Beatles umbrella too. It, it definitely does. Yeah. So uh, Scott, who is your first artist tonight? All right. I'm going to go with like an obvious choice. Um, kind of like queen in a way, you know, we're, we're all like classic rock guys. I know you kind of teased that earlier, Scott, we're probably all, a lot of us are going to be in the same era. But uh, I don't know how you can not put Led Zeppelin on mm. this list. So I'm sure we all had it on a piece of paper or a notepad on our on our phones. But uh, we can uh, take Led Zeppelin off the board here. Um, and we'll, I don't even know what I can say that you know hasn't already been said about Led Zeppelin. I'm sure we talked about him on the show before. But you know, you got four superstars really at all of their arts, right? Uh, Robert Plant, Jimmy Page, John Bonham, John Paul Jones. I mean, they're just fantastic at what they do. Um, similar to the Beatles, like I, I really struggle to find an album that is not really that great. Um, like they're all strong from, you know, side A to side B track one to the finish. Like they're just, they're just loaded with hit after hit. And, and yeah, I just, I just love it. I, um, one thing you wanted to talk about like favorite songs or favorite albums. Um, I'm one that likes to go under the radar a little bit. Like this might not be on everyone's favorite list, but I love Led Zeppelin three. Um, you know, it starts yeah. off with the immigrant song and, which is a high rocker. We all know that for, especially in the Marvel films, you know, that with Thor, <laughs> but um, 
Uh, Since I've Been Loving You is one of my favorite blues songs. I believe that's track four off of Led Zeppelin 3. But I really love the side B where they really go to like that mellow side, um, like Tangerine, tracks like that I just think are spectacular. I love that choice, Scott. And I have a question for you and a comment. I'll begin with the comment. Uh, Dan, when you got me into the Beatles back in high school, I also have memories, not as strong as the Beatles stuff, but memories of getting into Zeppelin because of you. And I remember talking to you about Led Zeppelin four in particular, because I think for many people, that's their gateway into the group. And I just remember having a conversation with you where you talked to me about the album and how great it is and stairway to heaven, et cetera, et cetera. And that is one of the things that caused me to get Zeppelin four, which is my first Zeppelin album I purchased. So I credit you also for getting me into, uh, into Zeppelin. That that's cool. It's always great when you can like make a recommendation and, 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 you know, someone, goes and, and, and checks it out. And, and like Scott said before, the good thing with Zeppelin is uh, like the Beatles, there's really not a bad album. Um, I would say like, you know, like the Beatles, if you wanted to pick one bad album, you, you have to go for like something like, uh, like with the Beatles, you'd have to go for Yellow Submarine because it's a soundtrack album. First half is, uh, you know, songs and the, the other half is score. Um, I mean, with Zeppelin, if you want to look at a weak album, you have to go with Coda just because it's a mix of mm-hmm. outtakes from sessions uh, for the other records. Um, other than that, I mean, you're hard pressed to find a, a weak album. And I think it would have to go towards taste because um, there's probably many people that if you said, what's the weakest Zeppelin album outside of Coda, they'd probably go with uh, In Through the Outdoor. But, you know, if you're not into like the keyboards and the synthesizers, it's that that's going to be probably at the bottom of your list. If you want, uh, you know, your traditional hard rocking Zeppelin, sure. you're going to be looking at other, other records, but um, the first five, not, not, not the, not, no, the, not the first five. Yeah. The first six, including physical graffiti is just, uh, I mean, that's, I, I think one of the foundations of, of uh, rock from the 1970s on. Agreed. Remarkable so, body of work. Scott, my question for you is, where do you rank Houses of the Holy in the Zeppelin catalog? And I ask that because that is one of maybe my favorite Zeppelin album. Oh, that's tough. It's um, I would I'd call it like right in the middle, really. I mean, the Led Zeppelin one and two and three like are so great to me because um, I was just talking about Led Zeppelin three is possibly my favorite. But then you got Led Zeppelin four Zozo, which is like the masterpiece that everyone knows. So then like I feel like. I got to put it in the middle, but I can see where it's like one of the best. Um, right. We, you want to talk about like favorite songs. Yeah. So I was like, going to ask like, what's your go-to song? So I have two go-to songs. So fool in the rain is actually the song from indoor and through the outdoor that actually turned me on to Led Zeppelin. Cool. Um, I think like a lot of us were influenced, right? Dan was influenced on you, Scott. My dad, whose name is Dan, uh, was a big influence on me. And he turned me on the Zeppelin and fool in the rain was the song. I just have a memory, like sitting in a old Oldsmobile with him playing it, like on a cassette tape or whatnot. And that's kind of what got me to Zeppelin. But um, going back to houses of the Holy though, um, the opening track, the song remains the same. I, I absolutely love, and I love the version of that on um, the, the soundtrack album. So they have Led Zeppelin has a great live video that they recorded and they turned into an album called the song remains the same. It's really trippy. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. I've that seen movie. it. Yeah. Yeah. There's some yeah. interesting like sequences <laughs> during the concert, but I love it. But um, I just love that version of at, at that live recording and the, the recording of the rain song because I love the rain song, the track that follows it too. I kind of see those as a combined song. 
oftentimes. So if it's not full and rain, that's then it's that song I go. Awesome selection. So we're off to a good start here. We got Queen and Led Zeppelin. So the first artist I'll mention here, and I guess if you uh, have listened to the show, you would have heard me talk about this artist, and that is the Beach Boys. And it's not a surprise. Many people who are fans of the Beatles, for example, love the music of the Beach Boys. There, there's even been some debates recently I've seen online, which band was better, Beatles or the Beach Boys? I say Beatles, but I think you can make an argument, especially if you focus on Brian Wilson's genius, that the Beach Boys were a better group. I don't agree with it, but I, I think it could be made. Uh, I think the reason I choose the Beach Boys is just I'm a sucker for harmony. I love harmonic groups, whether they be rock groups that are good at harmony or groups that sing classic American standards, Gershwin type stuff in harmony that always has drawn me in. And the Beach Boys have some of the greatest harmonies in the history of rock music. Uh, The interesting thing about the Beach Boys that I don't think a lot of casual fans realize is that when they hear the name the Beach Boys in their mind, they automatically go to the early poppy songs like Surfing USA, Surfing Safari, Fun, 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 Little Deuce Coop, that type of stuff. And I think that's all great. I love that stuff. But there reached a point in the Beach Boys career around 1965, 1966, especially 66 when they released Pet Sounds, that they achieved a level of artistic greatness that no doubt inspired the Beatles. The Beatles themselves have spoken about it on many occasions. And I think those albums actually get overlooked. Many fans aren't even familiar with the tracks on Pet Sounds. And that features Wouldn't It Be Nice, God Only Knows, Sloop John B, Caroline No, and a whole bunch of other songs. And then some people said there was would say that there was an artistic decline with the Beach Boys as they go into the 70s. And I see that. I agree with that. But even during that period, they released so many great songs and a couple of really solid albums. And even when they got together again for their 50th anniversary reunion, which I guess was around 10 years ago, because now it's their 60th anniversary reunion, they released an album called That's Why God Made the Radio. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that album, but it's a very, very strong album. And it concludes with a four song suite that is epic. And I don't use that word lightly, just epic. So the talent there was genius. Of course, Brian Wilson was the force behind the group, uh, but they just bring happiness. And I'll conclude before I mention my go-to track by saying that when I think of the Beach Boys, I think of so much of what America represents. Obviously, you go to amusement parks, ocean waves, summer days, and just good times. And I think that as, as good as they are musically, there's also a feel to the group as well. Just a an emotion. So in terms of my go-to track, I think if listeners would, listeners no doubt have heard me say this before, my all-time favorite song is Wouldn't It Be Nice by the Beach Boys. So that would be my go-to track. And if I had to choose a lesser known song that I would direct people to, there's a track by the Beach Boys, which is off of their Little Deuce Coop album called We'll Run Away. And oh, I, I love that song. You Scott. love that song, you yes. know, right? Yeah, that's such yes. a great song. I love that track. And it's kind of like a prequel to Wouldn't It Be Nice. It is. Like the it lyrics is. are kind of similar. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's talking about he's in love with the girl. They want to get married, but, you know, he's not sure whether they could pull it off. And I think at the end they do pull it off because they say we ran away and got married, which is just, it, and it's a beautiful song. I love Brian's lead vocal on it too. It's spectacular. So that's my top choice tonight. And I know you guys are Beach Boys fans. 
But when I say top choice, I mean first choice. I don't mean top of the list number, you know, but I know you guys are Beach Boys fans. We've talked about that before. I, I have to say that uh, I was one of those people, and, and, and I have to, you know, pay you a compliment, Scott. Um, as much as you talk about me getting you into, into the Beatles, um, you made me appreciate the Beach Boys because, you know, in the beginning, I was kind of one of those people that looked at them as, you know, kind of like an oldies group because my, my familiarity was with, a lot of those poppy early songs like Surfing USA and Fun, Fun, Fun. Um, and then I, I went out and got Pet Sounds, started listening to Pet Sounds. And that kind of, you know, made me start to change my mind a little bit. Be like, wow, this is some really great stuff. And, um, and then I think uh, looking at their albums from maybe uh, Summer Days and Summer Nights on, um, that's where you can see exactly what you were talking about, where they started to almost seem like they were like a year, a year ahead of everybody else mm-hmm. with the kind of stuff that they were putting out. Um, and, uh, you know, unfortunately with the, uh, the smile debacle, um, you know, Brian kind of, you know, lost it there. And, um, and like you said, even though people look at the late sixties, early seventies, as kind of an artistic decline, there's still some great stuff that they, they put out and um you know the sunflower album and uh, and surfs up and you know some great stuff there so um yeah definitely love the beach boys cool thank um, you ben. and, and, and brian wilson and brian wilson genius yeah and mike love not so much <laughs> <laughs> um quick question for you guys and then dan will go to your next selection dan what is your each of you what are, what are your go-to beach boy songs like if somebody said okay go listen to the beach boys right now what track are you putting on God only knows. Okay. That's a great song. It's it's hard to pick. There's so many great ones. The the song I'm gonna choose is kind of based on the way you defined them earlier, Scott. Like they're just like a fun group. You think of like America and summertime, you know, just like all this fun stuff. So I have to go with all summer long. I just I love the way that song starts. It kicks off the record. It's just a just a fun song to sing. Love it. Great songs, great selections. And with that, Dan, what's your next choice tonight? Uh, my next choice is uh, is the Who. Um, so yeah, definitely going with the Who. Um, I kind of, you know, after getting into into the Beatles and and hearing the Stones, um, I w- wanted to kind of take a look at those other British invasion bands. And I think at the time it was uh, um, there was a I think it was thirty years of the Who at the time. There was a a special on uh, VH1, I think I remember watching it. It was the Who 30 Years of Maximum R&B was the documentary. And I remember watching that and just like really getting into getting into their stuff. And um, again, you know, uh, being a guitar player um, and and being limited at at lead, uh, just getting into the Pete Townsend style of, uh, you know, kind of rhythm guitar as as a lead instrument. and then also an incredible, incredible songwriting, too, um, especially when you look at their career and uh, just one person churning out those songs mm-hmm. um, and coming up with some some great concept albums from Tommy to Quadrophenia. Um, and I mean, you know, J- John Entwistle's bass playing is probably next to McCartney, one of the one of the best, if not the best rock bassist out there. It's, I'm sure you could have a debate 
um, between, you know, uh, a couple of names there, but Enwistle's incredible. And um, uh, Daltrey's voice, I mean, he's like one of the consummate rock frontmen. And, you know, Keith Moon's just nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and Dan, what is your go-to Who song? It's tough because there's a lot of, there's a lot of great, um, great Who songs. Um, but I think my go-to one is um, Love, Rain, or Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the closing track of, of uh, Quadrophenia is probably one of my, one of my top uh, songs by The Who. That's awesome. Have you seen them live before? I've seen them live on three occasions. Um, the first time I saw them live um, was in like 2002, I want to say. And it was shortly after they did the, um, the set at the uh, Concert for New York, um, which, which was awesome. And I was so excited. You know, I was going to get to see The Who. And, um, you know, Moon wasn't there, but you get three of the original members. And like two weeks before the concert I was going to see is when Ed Whistle passed. Um, so I was like really bummed about that, not getting to uh, be able to see him with the group, but uh, still saw them and they, they were great. They were great. And then saw them on two other occasions. Very cool. Now, Scott, I know you're a fan of The Who. Uh, do you have a go-to Who track? I am a big fan of The Who. Um it's hard to pick. I mean, there's yeah, something that's good. the thing. I, about, I talk about go-to tracks. There's yeah. like albums worth of yeah. go-to tracks. I know because right? I think of like Tommy. Like a lot of those tracks just kind of like blend together, right? Because they tell like that that overlapping story. But uh, I'm going to go with a weird one here. I just love going mobile off of Who's Next. <laughs> um, not a super popular song, but like Keith Moon's drumming is just basically like every Who song though. It's just like nonstop in that right. track. Um, I think it's kind of overlooked. So I'm going to go with going mobile off of who's next is my top good choice good choice um awesome what about, you, what about me what about, what about your top who chat i was quickly going to say eminence front okay i it's a good track i know you know i am admittedly not as big a fan of the who as you guys are but i maybe that's a new year's resolution i could add in april 2022 get more into the who this year but i, <laughs> I have total respect for them and i, I do have <laughs> a lot of who stuff I've listened to them extensively. I'm just not as intimately familiar with them as I am beach boys or Beatles, for example. But uh, I heard eminence front front somewhere. And I just love that opening uh, instrumental that leads oh, yeah. into it. Just kind of get you pumped up. Um, oh, also I can see for miles. One of my all time favorite songs by any artist. We're talking about drums out of this world on that track. Love that album too. I believe that's on the who sell out, which is a okay. Yeah. That's a really cool album. Mm-hmm. Who sell out? I will uh, check yeah. that out. So what, what year did that come out? That was probably 66, 67 Six, there? 68. 68. Yeah, it was 68. Uh, right, it's Paul, a fun album where they have like these quirky like ads in between songs because they're oh, really? like, selling out, you know, like it, it's, it's pretty fun. Because there is a yeah, Beatles related story there that McCartney read. I think if I'm correct about this, McCartney read a quote by Pete Townsend that said, we just recorded the dirtiest, heaviest song of all time. And he may have been talking about I Can See for Miles. And then McCartney came back with Helter Skelter. There's, I've heard that re- reported. I don't know whether or not that's accurate. We have to get Sir Paul on the show to, uh, <laughs> right, to confirm. <laughs> okay. Scott, Scott, can I ask you, though, have you ever seen like their performance of My Generation, like on the Smother Brothers show? No, or- I have not. I've got to find that. a clip. I'll, I'll send it to you after the show. Like, you're you're going to like that a lot. <laughs> That'd be great. I would love to yeah. see that. Thank you. 
you know what I'm uh, about it's, it's pretty crazy yeah. oh i know yeah yeah it's 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 a pretty uh <laughs> it's it's a pretty funny story it's, it's one of the reasons why uh uh townsend has uh hearing loss issues oh okay it's i could kind of picture what what happened there but i do want to see that so please send that to me uh scott what's your next artist tonight all right. Um, I'm going to I'm going to stick with the classic rock era because I love it so much. Um, I don't think this band gets talked about on this show, but I'm going to go with Pink Floyd um, as as one of my next top bands. Um, you know, they're a great 1970s band. They're not as heavy rockers when you think about like the Who, Queen and, you know, Zeppelin, and other bands we talked about today. They're more. I'd say like on the mellow side, but David Gilmore, who's I think one of the greatest guitarists ever, he can definitely rock and, you know, put, put together some really solid guitar solos. Um, you know, as we all know, there's different eras of Pink Floyd, right? We had the Sid Barrett um, early days where they did Pipers at the Gates of Dawn, Saucer Full of Secrets, and David Gilmore comes in. Um, I like both eras. Um, I like their psychedelic early stuff, not as popular, but um when you when you pull out a string of albums like Dark Side of the Moon, Wish You Were Here, Animals, The Wall, I think Adam Hart Mother might have been before that all started. It's just a great collection of some of my favorite albums of all time. Scott, I love that choice. Uh, I'm a Pink Floyd fan as well, Dan. I know you are. I think Dan, you got me into Pink Floyd as well. <laughs> so <laughs> back in the day, I think I did. <laughs> the, the interesting thing about Pink Floyd, I. I think the gateway for many people is Dark Side of the Moon. It's such an iconic cover. You see it on so many t-shirts and posters. That's kind of what people think of. But then when you, at least it was for me, I know that was the first Pink Floyd album I got. And then as I dug deeper into the catalog, it's such remarkable stuff, such artistic beauty in the music and in the albums. Mm -hmm. uh, have either of you guys ever done the Wizard of Oz, Dark Side of the Moon thing? Oh, yeah. Yes. It works, right? It does work. I haven't had to use your imagination a little bit, but yeah, it definitely works. <laughs> and even if it doesn't work perfectly, it's awesome. <laughs> you yes. Know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Um, Scott, I want to ask you, what is your uh, Pink Floyd track? I don't know if you mentioned it. I uh... I did not mention it. Um, I'm going to go with, with Time, which is on Dark Side of the Moon. Uh, speaking of which, it's the third track. has a great dark like drum solo intro by Dave Mason, which is fantastic. And then it's just, it's a great track where like all of them are contributing because there are moments in the Pink Floyd era where like Roger Waters kind of takes over, you know, like there's less David Gilmore and such, but I feel like this is when the band is at their peak, they're all contributing and time is just a, a classic David Gilmore guitar solo in there. So I'm going with time. Awesome choice. Dan, what would be your uh, go-to Pink Floyd? It's it's really tough because um, there's a lot of, a lot of great songs, especially from the, um, 71 to 79 period uh but i'm gonna go uh with echoes which is the last track on metal um yes. in their 1971 album um it's a long one it's it's 23 minutes but it's incredible and um it kind of in in a way in one song it's a, it's a it's a precursor to dark side you can kind of see the the beginnings of dark side of the moon in in that track cool cool choice I guess mine would be Us and Them from Dark Side of the Moon, which I think is just this beautiful song. I happen to love the live version of it that appears on Pulse. Oh, yeah. Which is. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's a great, great vocal by um, Richard Wright, I believe is his name, the pian pianist. Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. just That's what I mean about Dark Side of the Moon. Like all of them are contributing. Like you get Richard Wright songs, uh, 
Roger Water vocals. Like it's it's just a great album. Dan, have you um when you said Echoes, it makes me think of their like live at Pompeii video. Have you ever seen that? Like, oh my yeah. god, that's one of my favorite like it's, rock documentaries of all time. Oh, it's really it's really cool. Uh it's a cool concept. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're playing uh no audience in an amphitheater in, in Pompeii, or I think just outside of Pompeii, and then yeah. it's intercut with with some uh, behind the scenes footage of them recording Dark Side. And you get to see them uh, uh, laying down a little bit of uh, brain damage and Eclipse. Yep. Get to see some lead guitar that's actually not on the album. Um, and you also get to see them uh, laying down uh, on the run with the uh, BCS3 synthesizer. Oh, it's kind of cool watching that. Watching that. Cool. Yeah. Like awesome. that. But they do play, because I think metal would have been RAS, so they play Echoes and they do like, um... Well, these days are going to chopping the little pieces. That's a great sequence too mm-hmm. when they play that. You got to check it out, Scott. If you like Pink Floyd, it's a it's an awesome I will. That's awesome. I and, got good, good and, stuff to watch. And if you if you have metal, you're li- and you're listening to it. If you have dogs, uh, the song Seamus. <laughs> they, uh, it's an interesting interesting uh, uh, song in the in the Pink Floyd catalog. They got a hold of um, uh, Steve Marriott, who was the the lead singer of uh, the Small Faces. And then later, Humble Pie, he had a dog named uh, Seamus that he trained to howl when he heard the blues. Uh, and so they brought the dog into the studio. They played this blues song, the dog's howling on the track. And uh, wow. I play it for fun every now and then to get my dogs going crazy. Cool. That's awesome. I didn't I didn't know that. That's, that's really cool. All right. So uh, my next selection, let's see here. I guess I'm going to go with Frank Sinatra. And uh, you guys know I'm a Sinatra fan. And it's interesting when you talk about Sinatra, there really is not, there's, there's not anyone like him in the history of popular entertainment with the exception maybe of Elvis. And I say that because both Elvis and Sinatra were massive music stars and also massive film stars. If you put aside their music careers entirely, their film careers were epic on, by themselves. And even today, when you think about the people who sing and act, and there are quite a few, it's just not at that level. I mean, Sinatra was an Oscar winner and because he won the Oscar in 1954 for From Here to Eternity. But what, the reason I named Sinatra here from a music perspective is be, really in particular because of his work in the 1950s and 1960s. He released when he was with Capitol Records these unbelievable beautiful concept albums, things like in the wee small hours, songs for swinging lovers, swinging affair, and many others, too many to name here that are great from not just a vocal perspective. So when you listen to his voice, it's impeccable, but also it's more than just listening to him sing. It's listening to the arrangements of the orchestras. So he worked with such great arrangers like Nelson Riddle, Billy May, Quincy Jones, uh, Gordon Jenkins, and others just these epic arrangements. And um, I think I, I, in history, those may be the birth of the concept albums. You know, we think about Sgt. Peppers and Pet Sounds. They really, in my mind, started with Sinatra. And even before that, in the 40s, his voice was very different. It really changed when you went from the 40s to the 50s. But it was just a very smooth, silky type voice. Um, 70s is still good. He started to show his age after that, but just re- left this legendary body of work um, and became this unbelievable celebrity figure that would be written about in the press. He had a very tumultuous relationship with the press, but um, 
was as big a celebrity as you can get. And uh, just a, a legend of 20th century entertainment, no doubt about it. So I, I choose Sinatra. That was kind of an easy choice for me. Kind of like Beach Boys and Sinatra were easy for me. I listen to them a lot even still. And in terms of a go-to track, again, this is, it's almost impossible. But I will tell you my favorite, I'm going to give you two real quick. So one of my favorite Sinatra songs is a hit, The Way You Look Tonight. It is a, a gorgeous track, never gets old. I love the lyrics. I love the melody. I love the arrangement, everything about it. And a little bit more of an obscure track. He released an album called Sinatra and Strings, which is a slow album, very focused on, as the title suggests, a string accompaniment to his vocals. And there's a song on there called That's All. You may know it. I mean, a lot of people know it from The Wedding Singer. From The Wedding Singer, yeah. <laughs> from The Wedding Singer. I think that may be right. <laughs> Darren does a good version of it, too. I, I like the Sandler version, maybe more than Sinatra. No, no, just kidding, just kidding. But anyhow, it's a beautiful, gorgeous song. Michael Bublé also does a great version of it on his first album. And Sinatra's version is just, it tugs at the heartstrings. It's it's gorgeous. So those that's Sinatra. And uh, I know I've talked to you guys about it. You like Sinatra too, of course. Yeah, Dan and I talked kind of offline without you, and we both were like trying to guess that. Well, I wonder when the artist Scott's going to have. We both nailed this one. We knew you're going to have Sinatra tonight. Um, I can't add more than what you said. He is an icon for sure, right? I like the Elvis analogy a little bit there too. Um, for a song I like, you mentioned the movies. Guys and Dolls is one of my favorite like musicals. Uh, Marlon Brando sings this track on the movie, but then Sinatra released it later, and that's Luck Be a Lady Tonight. I just right. love that Sinatra version. That's a great, great version. It's it's just feels good. It feels good when yeah. you hear it. Yep. Yeah. I and feel lucky. About, like I'm ready to yeah. go to the casino and choose some dice every time I hear it. <laughs> of course. That's what it, maybe Disney will build a casino. <laughs> there you go. Dan, what about you? What's your go-to uh, Sinatra tracks? Um, it's an, it's a slower track, but I love his version of uh, Bewitched, um, yeah. Bothered and Bewildered. Yeah, it's a Roger's Heart track. It's, it's, it's a great song. And I, I just, uh, his version is probably the, the standout version of the song for me. That's awesome. And, you know, um, and also, yeah. uh, I was going to say it also like a close second is uh, his version of All of Me, um, which is uh, one of my grandmother's favorite songs. And uh, when she passed, we actually played it um at her funeral as kind oh, really? of a send-off so mm -hmm. uh that's got that's that one sticks with me as well very cool sure. uh dan before i turn it over to you for your next choice i'll just point something interesting out you know when you go shopping on amazon and you buy something it shows you okay customers that bought this also bought and it gives you recommendations one of the things i've seen with mm -hmm. music is that in the past when i purchased things like 60s music 50s beach boys that type of stuff you get a lot of other oldies and classic rock artists, and then you also get Sinatra. People that like the music that we like also really like Sinatra, even though it's a different genre than what we listen to maybe more often, which I always find kind of interesting. Not a surprise. It is interesting, it's but I, it's I, Sinatra I think, I think it all... You could probably have Metallica yeah. on the heart, and then Sinatra will probably come up. True. <laughs> <laughs> a Metallica Sinatra covers album could be good. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be interesting. You're so then, what is your next selection tonight, my friend? All right. So my next selection is, is probably going to be kind of surprising. I'm going to veer off the classic rock for a second. Um, but uh, my next selection is Michael Jackson. Nice. Um, I think my, my uh, 
earliest memory of getting into anything music related was 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 seeing Michael Jackson um, as a young kid. And I think the first thing I saw was the uh, the Motown Twenty Five performance of Billie Jean, and I can remember probably like a, a lot of kids our age uh, standing in front of the TV trying to mimic the uh, the dance moves and uh, and and do the moonwalk and things like that. But uh, when you you listen. Um, as you, you know, getting, getting older and, and really listening to the music and um, looking at it from a musical perspective as a fan, um, he, he really put together some great stuff. Um, he, again, worked with, with great producers, worked with Quincy Jones for his big albums, uh, Off the Wall, uh, Thriller and Bad. I, I don't think he might have, he might have, did Quincy Jones do Dangerous too? He might have. No, that was um, uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, uh, I thought. Oh, okay. Okay. I wasn't, I'm going to tell you something sure, too. I yeah. learned last night, but I want you to finish Dan. And then I'm going to point something out about jam and Lewis. So, so just keep going though. No problem. Um, that's just so many great tracks. Um, and especially, um, ones that, that he wrote and you don't think of him as uh, as being, you know, a musician per se, because he didn't really, you never saw him play an instrument, but I mean, um, you know, stuff like, uh, want to be starting something and, and, and Billy Jean and, uh beat it and um off the wall um you know those are some great tracks and then he worked with some great uh writers as well uh the one that stands out is rod temperton um who's a british writer i think he was in uh what was the band was it heat wave i think i gotta take a look at that um but he's the one who wrote thriller and rock with you and um just uh some really great stuff first off i have to give a correction it was not jimmy jam and terry lewis it was Bill Bottrell, Bruce Sweden, Michael Jackson, and Teddy Riley were the producers of Dangerous. So I, I was wrong, but I'm still going to tell you that interesting thing about Jerry, Jimmy Jam and Terry <clears throat> Lewis. Do you know that they wrote and produced the song by the Human League, Human? They they were produced that whole album. I learned that the other night on Twitter. Oh, wow. That's a I did not know that. Um, Dan, I actually had Michael Jackson on my list too. So he's my, I'll mention that too. He's my next artist. And this isn't going to be like one of those things where, oh, you added this song to the playlist. So I'm going to now choose another. This is the top five artists. So we got to stick to it. So I, I, I did include Michael Jackson. What is your go-to Michael, uh, Michael Jackson track? That, again, that's really difficult, uh, for a go-to track. It's actually a off thriller, um, human nature. Me too. Me too. Michael Jackson track. I, I love that track. Um, and uh, interesting story behind it. You know, one of those those um, bands that have um, musicians in them that you, you hear all over the place and don't realize it is Toto. Um, the guys in Toto played on so many um, so many albums of the late seventies and, and the eighties, and they're all over um, the Thriller album. Um, and I think it was one of the Picaros. I think it was Steve Picaro had sent in a tape of uh, uh, ideas for the album. And uh, Quincy Jones was listening to it. There was really none that he liked. And then it was kind of like a, a, a Keith Richards uh, satisfaction situation where the tape kind of ran with nothing on it. And then at the end, there was this little little piece tacked on, which was just like the chord progression for human nature. And, uh, and and Quincy Jones kind of was like, oh, that's it, that we could use, and 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 they they use that and made the song around. It's just a great song. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely my go-to track. 
Well, uh, Dan, there's not much I can add to what you said about Michael Jackson. I mean, he uh, he's one of my all time favorites for all the reasons you mentioned. He's got these epic albums, you know, from off the wall through dangerous, you know, off the wall thriller, bad and dangerous. And then even shortly before he died, there were some tracks that came out on Invincible, for example, that I liked. Um, and his posthumous albums, there's a couple of tracks on there, which I also think are really good. Um, just one of the all time great vocalists and uh, brings joy to the world with his music. I always f- I felt that. Um, my go-to track, Human Nature. I'll give you another one. Controversial choice right here, but The Girl Is Mine with Paul McCartney. <laughs> one of my all-time favorite songs. Some people hate that track. I just love it. I find it to be such fun. So, such uh, old-school 106.7 for those that grew up in uh, the New York area. <laughs> that, know the, that just seems like a track that would be on there. Um, Scott, what are your thoughts about Michael Jackson? Um, he's just an icon. You know, He really is um, just... I mean, if you're around the 80s, 70s, you were just, it was Michael Jackson, everything, even into the 90s too, right? Um, just just a great artist. Um, you've The two of you have mentioned Off the Wall a handful of times, and that's like my go-to track are those opening two numbers. Um, can't stop till you get enough and rock with you. Like, it's hard to find a better one-two punch for me. Um, they're on my running playlist, both of them. So when I'm on a run and I'm struggling, I switch to those songs and it gets me fired up. Um, so can't can't add much more he's a great artist for sure agreed agreed and so uh like i said that's one of my top artists so i I just jumped in because it was a perfect perfect opportunity because dan mentioned it but now scott i'll turn it over to you who is your third selection tonight all right so my third selection and i kind of teased this earlier with with you i think off air that i always know who my number two artist is so i'm going to go to my number two now as my third choice if that makes any sense but anyway um, I grew up with this band a lot. It was like the, the soundtrack of my parents, like, you know, dating scene. And so I heard them all the time. And it's the band Chicago, um, you know, late sixties, all of the seventies. And they had a really funky era in the eighties a little bit, but, uh, you know, there's many eras to the band Chicago and my favorite, naturally, I think if the two of you are familiar with Chicago, you would probably agree is the Terry Kath era. Uh, Terry Kath was just a tr- tremendous, guitarist he left this world way too soon on a on a tragic uh accident um i won't go into that that detail we don't need to we can have a somber moment here but as, as a lot of these legends that we're talking about today you know i've passed you know in terrible incidents but but yeah chicago is great you go i like how their albums are number two right it's just chicago one two well, actually the first one's called chicago transit authority because that was the original band name then it just goes in progression chicago two three four five six you name it until you get the hot streets but um, just just unique sound, right? You know, like they have, you know, you have your rhythm section. You got Peter Cetera on bass, Terry Kath on guitar, Robbie L- Bobby Lamb on piano, and Danny Surfing on drums. And you have the brass section too. And it just, it worked so well. Um, I think it influenced other groups. Or, and Dan, you know so much about music. You might know this. I don't know if they influenced Blood, Sweat, and Tears or if they're around the same, because it came out around the same time. Or if it was the other way around, but you know there are other bands like Chicago, like Blood, Sweat, and Tears, and such. But uh, no one could do it like Chicago. And yeah, Chicago is on- definitely an incredible group. I I love Chicago, um, and really love that uh, that initial period that the Terry Kath um, era of Chicago. Um, you had three incredible vocalists with uh, with with Kath and and Peter Cetera and Bob Bobby Lamb, um, and, and just I mean an incredible guitar player. Um, and the way the band worked together, I mean, you had, uh, you know, the, the 
cast guitar working like almost seamlessly with the with the horn section. Um, and I don't think you can find a better horn section in rock. Um, and actually, it's, it's interesting. They were they were you know kicking around the the, the Chicago music scene that were in the late '60s. I mean, their first album was '69. Um, Blood, Sweat, and Tears was '67. I think was the okay. first '67 or '68 was the first one. Um, and the initial Blood, Sweat, and Tears was Al Cooper. Um, but the second Blood, Sweat, and Tears album was uh, James Gorshio produced it, and then he produced Chicago. That's right. Yeah, so, yeah. it was like um, it's kind of an interesting. He was their main producer until uh, until the the David Foster era, I think. Um, which you know, when we were you know growing up, if you mentioned Chicago, that's what people thought of it. The Peter Cetera, um, hard to say. I'm sorry, uh, you're the inspiration yeah. era Chicago, which, which are is not bad. Still songs, good, right? Yeah, it's still good. Yeah, um, still good stuff. It just to me, it pales in comparison to the earlier stuff. Exactly. Was there watching. is a Beach Boy tie to Chicago too, Scott. I don't know if you know this. Um, yeah, yes, it's true. It's going to be on uh, the song, Wishing You Were Here, Carl Wilson. Yes, sings you through. got it right there. Yep. Chicago is it Carl Wilson seven. and someone else or is it just Carl on that track? I thought there was someone else too, but... Um, Maybe it was Dennis. Maybe yeah. been Dennis. I had to do some research. What? It was off Chicago 7, which is a really interesting album. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, these these they were such a talented group of musicians where they had a lot of jazz background too, kind of hence like their horn section and the first half of the album is the first six tracks are just instrumentals they're all like jazzy tunes um some great drum solos some great horn solos and then the second half kind of turns into the pop so i have a funny story with my dad who like didn't care for that stuff you know so he's at home he has chicago seven and his my grandpa was just a huge like jazz musician and he was like what's this chicago album that you have you know like this is some like really good stuff so they could like bond over it because it had like the poppy songs that my dad like and it had the jazz material so kind of sure. interesting how, how they could listen over that but just just great um just i it was the soundtrack of my growing up the beatles in chicago that's all i ever listened to so that's a good just, combination right there yeah, it is it really is um just just love Love all areas of Chicago, but definitely the Terry Cat is is the best one. Did you mention your one of your go to Chicago songs? I didn't. Um, strangely enough, it's a I, this is a post Terry Cat song, and it kind of has like a disco feel to it. But I love the song "Alive Again." Uh, okay, I don't know if you know that one? Scott, I do. But, yeah, uh, but uh, it's 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 a fun song. Um, if I had to go for another one, I love off Chicago Five Dialogue, uh, Dialogue yeah. Part One and Two is just um, just a masterpiece to me. Just absolutely love it. What about you guys? I would say for me, well, this is not one of my go-to songs, but I was watching Karate Kid 2 the other day. And when I heard Glory of Love, I was like, oh, man, I do love that song. <laughs> Such a great song. Um, great movie, too, Karate Kid 2. But um, a go-to Chicago song, does anybody really know what time it is? It's a great one. I love the song No Tell Lover. I think we've talked oh. about that song before, Scott. Yeah, I've talked about that song before, yeah. And uh, Call On Me. I love Call On Me, which is a great track. Call on me is a great song. That was actually written by their trumpet player Lee. I can't think of his last name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he I didn't was know going that. through it. He was going through a divorce, and that was kind of about the divorce. And I think that's one of his very few writing credits. Um, it's a great wow. song. He had a what a gift of melody. That's just such a yeah. melodic, beautiful song. That's awesome. Dan, how about you? Um, twenty-five or six to four. Sure. Um, just the, that guitar solo just blows me away. Um, every time I love the full. Um, the medley ballad for ballet for a girl in Buchanan. 
yeah. um, which contains uh, Color My World and um, Make Me Smile. Um, and, you know, some mo most people don't know that that's part of a much longer piece, um, but it's a really it's really cool to listen to from front to back. Um, I just love that a lot. And um, uh, I, I kind of like, you know, post Terry Kath, Satara era. I, I kind of like a, a, a Long Comes a Woman. Oh, yeah, I love that song. That's a, that's a great track. <laughs> me and Scott did a me and Scott did a, a top music videos, I think, and I threw that in there because it has like this Casablanca. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, you tied to it. Uh, absolutely right. love that song. Um, uh, Dan, song. before we get to your next selection, I'll mention one of my all-time favorite memories of mu music memories is going with you. And was your dad with us, or was he there separately at Chicago and Earth, Wind, and Fire? He was with us. He was yeah, with us. Okay. Because he, he, he loved he loves Chicago and, and Earth, Wind and Fire. Yes, so, absolutely. Yeah, he was with us for that. I have a memory of just tailgating in the parking lot that night. Mm -hmm. It's just a, that was years ago. And it's yep. funny the stuff that sticks with you, but that's a very fond memory I have. Uh, what's your next selection, Dan? Uh, my next selection is uh, David Bowie. Um, love Bowie. Uh, always been a big Bowie fan. Um, I mean, talk about a musical chameleon uh, from like the very early stuff, which is uh, kind of more um, like acoustic singer songwriter, even though yeah, space oddity in there, which foreshadows that that glam era. Um, and then the Ziggy Stardust era um, with uh, with the the spiders from Mars. I mean, I think that was probably his best, probably his best era, but definitely the best you know, backing group he had with, you know, his partnership with Mick Ronson, who's another incredible guitar player. Um, and then, uh, you know, Brian Eno and uh, the, the Berlin trilogy, um, some great stuff there. And then into that, that eighties period, which let's dance is, is still a great album. I love that, that album as well. Um, but I feel like Bowie was just like, you know, the consummate artist, rock artist. Um, so many different styles, um, was able to change with the times and always be relevant and um, was very sad that we lost him. Uh, I feel way too soon. Um, but yeah, David Bowie is definitely my, uh, my next pick. One of my top artists for sure. Scott, what are your thoughts on David Bowie? Just not much more. I can add there. The rise yeah. and falls that you started us is an all time classic album. Just, just absolutely love it. Um, yeah, he just had a unique style to him. You, you, you know, he comes on the radio and you instantly know it's Bowie. Like it could have been a song you heard, never heard of, and you can just pick up on it as David Bowie. Just has a unique sound, unique style. Just really like it. Uh, my go-to is probably one of his more popular ones, but I love the song Changes. I love mm -hmm. that uh, outro sax solo at the end. Is yes, just gives me goosebumps when I hear it. Um, just uh, yeah, but Bowie is awesome. And then what's your go-to? Uh... If you had to choose one, it's impossible. But you know what? I know it's impossible. <laughs> it's it's really tough to choose uh, to choose just one. Um, I would have to go with um, Suffragette City. Oh, okay, sure. Uh, off, off of Ziggy Stardust, uh, but there's so many great you know great songs. And and again, I mean, um, really. I think underrated uh, in a way because he really could do anything. I mean, I don't think you could pick probably one other rock musician from that time who could duet with Bing Crosby and make it work. But sure. you know, but right. but we did. <laughs> so uh, some 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 great stuff and uh, and fame is a great track too. You know, not just because of the Beatle connection there. 
but uh, that's another go-to track for sure. Um, if I had to give my go-to track, I would say Modern Love. I just love that song. Is that from the Let's Dance album? I think it is, right? That Yeah, that is yeah. from the last, the last Dance album, yeah. It's just a great track. And um, uh, I've listened to Ziggy Stardust today, actually. I listened to the album. Never get tired of it. Awesome. Heroes is another great track. That's yes, another that's standout track. Yeah, for sure. Two uh, two thoughts on, on Bowie. One, of course, he's famous for having the different colored eyes. You know who else has that? Max Scherzer, the pitcher. I didn't realize oh, yeah. that until recently. He's a Detroit Tiger. Yep. Um, yeah, former Tiger, right? He was on yeah. the Tigers. Oh, yeah, he's a Met now. That's right. He's yeah, a so Met, you're, yeah. You're more involved, invested <clears throat> in him now. Yeah. Uh, so I just noticed that. And then the other thing I was going to say about Bowie is, kind of like Sinatra, he is such a figure outside of music. He's an icon, a 20th century icon. And that's why you see so many people, whether or not they really listen to his music or not, they have David Bowie images on their t-shirts. He's just a true legend in that sense. Um, Great choice, Dan. And um, I know before I, I guess, let me see here. I'm looking at, why don't we just continue with the original order here? Because this is, because I know I chimed well, in. Well, you jumped Jackson. ahead because of uh, Michael Jackson. Right. Me again. So, so, Sky, let's get your fourth selection tonight. Okay. Um, so, some I think it's just this individual as like an artist, but they actually were a band at one point. Um, it's a very short span, but uh, the Jimi Hendrix experiences, um, they're, it's legendary. It's like a three album run, unfortunately, because Jimmy, um, like a lot of these great artists we're talking about, um, he was taken from us way too soon. But uh, I think Jimi Hendrix. He's one of the greatest guitarists of all time. Even Paul McCartney, I think, has famously said his all-star band would be the Beatles plus Jimi Hendrix. Um, and that's a great compliment coming from the Sir Paul McCartney. But um, I think they're pretty overlooked. Um, obviously, I mean, they're really famous in the 60s. But like when I talk music with friends, like no one really brings up Jimi Hendrix, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, and their band was great. Uh, Mitch Mitchell on drums, I think. I mean, he could hang with Keith Moon and John Bonham any day of the week. Um, he was really talented. And Noel Redding, I think, was the, the bass player, uh, who I also think is pretty underrated. Um, I mean, they weren't as loud as The Who for like a three-person instrumental but man they could they could really jam out um just unfortunately we didn't get much from them just like three albums there's been a lot of like lost tracks since then right that have come out through jimmy hendrix career but just um just an amazing incredible guitarist yeah it's uh not much i can add to that i mean that's a one of the all-time greats true figure of the 60s yeah. represent so much of what the 60s was so about through, oh, through yeah. to Woodstock, his performance of the Star Spangled Banner performance at yeah, Woodstock. Just, oh my gosh. Yeah. Did you see Jack White? I mean, Scott, you would know this, Jack White performing the uh, anthem at the Tigers opening day? Yeah, I thought that was fantastic. It that was, was, so that good. was very yeah. good. Very good. Yeah. Um, what's your go-to uh, Hendrix track? Oh man, I, I should have known that you were going to ask this. It's, <laughs> it's tough. I mean, it's yeah. tough for me. Yeah. Um, I really love the song when the wind cries, Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like a heavy rocker or anything. I just think like, this is one thing about Jimi Hendrix. He wrote with some great lyrics. Um, he's not known for his singing. Um, he's kind of like got that Bob Dylan thing. I think Bob, there's a story with Bob Dylan kind of gave him confidence. Like you can do it, man. Don't worry about your singing, you know? And so he wasn't the greatest singer, but I love the storytelling in his songs. And the wind cries, Mary is uh, just a simple yet great story to me. Great song. Great song. And Dan, I know you are a huge Jimi Hendrix fan. Um, tell us why. 
<laughs> well, again, you know, just <laughs> I being, about being it. a guitar Stay player. Good tell, us, tell us why. <laughs> being a guitar player, uh, you know, Hendrix was one of the, you know, the first, um, you know, guitarists that I really delved into and uh, just an incredible influence. And um, again, uh, just just jump into what, onto what was Scott was saying, um, doesn't get the credit for, for the songwriting that he did, especially as a lyricist. Um, just incredible, um, incredible lyrics, um, incredible arrangements. And th that original experience group was, was just tight. Um, and you know, you listen and, and, uh, Mitch Mitchell is definitely an underrated drummer. Um, doesn't get as much, um, accolades as he should. He, he's definitely in that top tier of early rock drummers with, uh, early hard rock drummers with John Bonham, Keith Moon, um, Ginger Baker. Um, and uh, if you listen to the Band of Gypsies album, which was after the experience um, at, with that Jimmy recorded live with um, Billy Cox and Buddy Miles, um, hearing uh, Buddy Miles backing him on drums, you, you, you kind of can hear uh, that there's something missing. And Buddy Miles was, a, you know, was a great drummer, but um, that that backing from from Mitch Mitchell um, was definitely lacking. And then uh, after that, um, back in the group. So hearing some of the, uh, the the later live shows that have been released since, um, you know, you can really hear um, what he brought to, to to the sound of the band. They're just a very tight group. Yeah. Um, not much I could add to that. Um, I'm a Hendrix fan as well. Not as big as you guys, even though I have total full respect for him and I enjoy listening to his stuff. I've been meaning to get into more of the individual albums. I tend to be more of a greatest hits. That's my knowledge base yeah. when it comes to Hendrix. There's some great deep tracks like um, yeah. six was nine. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's very popular. I think that's no, I'm not familiar. I think you would like that song a lot, Scott, actually. Um, there's just bold as love. I mean, there's so many great tracks. I mean, you can't sit here and name them all tonight. But yeah. <laughs> Red house. I'm sure you heard red house though. Like if you yes. want to talk about great lyrics and storytelling, <laughs> red house is, <laughs> yeah, I, I think Dan, you told me about Red House years ago and I listened to that track. I kind of remember remember yeah. that. I like Angel. Yeah, that, I heard that on a greatest hits package, and that's not <clears> one that a lot of people are yeah. I think ult ultimately or are not ultimately, but are really familiar with. Yeah. But um great selection. So I didn't hear Dan I didn't hear Dan's go to track. Oh yeah, so. Dan, sorry. Go ahead, man. <laughs> um Little Wing. Oh, oh Little Wing. Yeah. And Stevie Ray Vaughan so, has a great cover of that one too. But. Yeah. And so many people have done it, um, but I, I just love the original Hendrix version. And it's not—it's not that long. No. It's—it uh, feels like it's just a little snippet, but it's—it's it's perfect. Um, and uh, again, great lyrics and uh, and great great playing in it. Um, so that's definitely my go-to track. Awesome. All right. So I, if you could believe it, guys, this is not our last one, but I, this, when I say this, this will be our fourth and then we only have one more each. So this actually, I can't believe how fast this went. This was, uh, I'm having a great time doing this with you guys, but this is, is awesome. So this one, I, I wasn't sure whether to give this duo the honor of being in the top five, because when I thought about it, I really don't listen to them as much as you would expect for, for someone to listen to an artist in their top five, but I thought they deserved it. And that's Simon and Garfunkel. Um, I got I into Simon Hall and Notes at first. Well, Hall and Notes, I, <laughs> I do like too. I do. Um, 
You know that Daryl Hall, I think, is 74 years old or something like that? Wow. Sounds phenomenal. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. Anyhow, uh, Simon and Garfunkel I got into from my mom. She uh, listened to Simon and Garfunkel a lot over the years and still does. Um, <clears throat> the interesting thing is that I started getting into them. I, I kind of remember getting a box set from my grandfather as a gift. The box set was called Old Friends. It was a three CD set. And I learned a lot of songs that I was not familiar with before then. And then I got into the albums and then a new box set came out that had all of their studio albums remastered. And there's not many studio albums. I think there's only five. Uh, And they started off very much in the folk music tradition, very much a Bob Dylan influence. It's obvious on their first album, which was Wednesday morning, 3 a.m. And then I think Sound of Silence was their second album. But what really got me into the group was the album Bookends, which is... I don't, I don't even really know how to describe it. The hit songs from that album would be America. Mrs. Robinson is on that album. Uh, there's a track on that album called Overs, which is not a well-known song, very sparse song, acoustic instrumentation, and um, about the end of a relationship. And it was, at, you know, I was so familiar with their hit songs, Bridge Over Troubled Water, Sound of Silence, The Boxer, Homeward Bound, et cetera, et cetera, that it was actually the deep cuts that kind of amazed me. In a sense, it was Beatlesque in the way that even their non-hits were some of the most catchy melodies you could imagine. So, you know, if you really want to get into their catalog, songs like At the Zoo, Punky's Dilemma, which aren't well-known tracks, um, but they're fun and really good. Lyrically, uh, you're dealing with one of the greatest, with some of the greatest lyrics of all time. <clears throat> Vocally, you had two singers there, each taking lead vocals on different tracks and yet harmonizing very well. I think they've been overshadowed by the drama between the two of them. I think so many of the stories of them over the years focuses on the tensions between the two, which is only natural, I suppose. But if you forget about all that and you just get into the music, it's absolutely gorgeous. And so that's why I gave them the honor of being in my uh, top five tonight. And in terms of a go-to track, I mentioned Overs, which is one of my favorites. Uh, To give you one more, this is also is extremely, extremely tough. I like uh, I like At The Zoo. I know I mentioned it a moment ago. It's a fun song. I always kind of wondered if there was deeper meaning behind some of the lyrics, if it was a commentary not just on animals at a zoo, but on society as a whole. I don't know if we'll ever get an answer to that, but uh, I do love that track and many others. And I think you guys are Simon and Garfunkel fans as well. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm, I don't have a deep knowledge of them. Again, it's, I think it's part of like how you grow up, right? I didn't, I didn't hear much Simon and Garfunkel in, in the home, but uh, you mentioned bookends, Scott, and I, I just had this visual of the that record just sitting by the record player constantly by my dad. That was one of his go-tos. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, great musically. I like Paul Simon's solo career very much as well. Um, you know, which would happen after after they break up there. But uh, yeah, great stuff. I don't have much more commentary to add. Yeah. For my go-to track, I'm going to go with one of the popular ones, though. Like, I'm, I, I cringe sometimes, like, going with the popular ones, but I, I do love the song Mrs. Robinson a ton. <laughs> and sure. And that would be my go-to for sure. Great song. Great song. Dan, how about you? Um, so it's funny. I have, a, uh, it's, again, it's the things that stick in your head. I have a memory of uh, coming over to your house. Okay. And, um, and you talking to me about, overs and playing it 
Uh, and you you were like uh you you were really excited like oh i, I heard this song it's great. it's so great you got to listen to it um and uh, and listening to that song and and uh and then i'd always uh my mother was really big into into simon and garfunkel that was one of her top bands and i remember um uh, going home after that and she had uh uh bridge over troubled water the album Mm -hmm. and listening to that and, and sort of like bookends, there's just so many great tracks on there that aren't as well-known. I mean, you have the title track and and Cecilia um, and the boxer, but, um, but baby driver, uh, baby driver's great customer satisfied. Um, And my, my go-to track is on that, that album, uh, only living boy in New York. Oh, great, Um, great song. Just a great song. Yeah. Um, Dan, I appreciate that you have that memory of me talking about overs. I think one of the things that I love about that song is the lyrics and it talks about the end of a relationship. And there's a part of the song where Paul Simon sings the lyrics. There's no laughs left because we laugh them all in a very short time. And as he says the word time, Garfunkel comes in with a new line that begins with the word time, but on a much higher note, it's an excellent example of how their vocals blended so well together. It's like, gives you that warm gooey feeling in your chest. Like, oh, this is so good. This is like, you know what I mean, guys? I, I, talk, it's, I wasn't sure how else to describe it, but you know, when you hear music, that sounds good. That's kind of beach boyish in a way too. It is, it is beach boyish in a way, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know Paul Simon is a huge, uh, both of them actually, Simon and Garfunkel are huge Beach Boys fans. Um, very good, so Simon and Garfunkel for me. And now we go to our final selection of the night. And Dan? Take it away, my friend. All right. Uh, my final selection is uh, the Eagles. Um, always really love the Eagles. Uh, got into them uh, 94 um, with the Hell Freezes Over yeah. um, special on, on MTV. I remember watching that with my father. And, I, you know, we both really enjoyed that. And then after that, just uh, getting into the other records. And... Um, just a great, I'd probably say, uh, probably one of the, the top five American rock groups, I would say. Um, love the country rock sound of the early records. And then, uh, you know, when they got Joe Walsh in the band, uh, they showed that they could rock too, and just some great songs. And uh, one of the, definitely still one of my go-to groups, I always, uh, you know, put on the Eagles and, um, just some great stuff there. More than just Hotel California. You know? <laughs> and what is one of your go-to Eagles songs? Um, one of my go-to Eagles songs is on the Hotel California album. It's a victim of love. Mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah, just a great, um, like straight ahead rocker, great Don Henley uh, vocal. Um, I think Don Henley is probably one of the, one of the, the best vocalists uh, in rock. Definitely for sure. Um, great voice there and uh and another great harmony group too mm-hmm. um those eagles yes. harmonies were incredible um especially when uh well they had you know the, uh, a lot of uh, number i mean don henley was a great vocal a great singer um melded very well with glenn fry and then early on with uh, randy meisner the first uh, bass player and then Timothy B. Schmidt, they, they brought in, uh, you know, someone who could really get those high harmonies mm-hmm. um, and put them on top. And um, 
I would say just a great um, kind of taking that that early Laurel Canyon sound of like Crosby, Stills and Nash, and even before that, the Birds and uh, Buffalo Springfield, and bringing it into a next into the next generation, and uh, and keeping that legacy going um, into now. I would probably say that if you know listen to a lot of uh, country now, it's definitely got what's popular definitely has more of a country rock vibe than you know a traditional country sound and i think that that uh is due a lot to, to the eagles and the groups that came before and that laurel canyon southern california sound mm-hmm. scott are you an eagles fan i'm i'm on the fence with the eagles um kind of because what dan was just talking about like i'm i'm not like a country music kind of guy and they kind of do give that kind of country vibe a little bit um like but with the rock sense um uh, but i i don't hate them by any means like I, I i definitely listen to their albums how dan got introduced to them is kind of how i got introduced i love that um that 1994 oh my god just the name just escaped me what it was called hell that, freezes that, over hell freezes over thank you yep. that i used to watch that sh- that that concert we had on vhs or dvd or whatever i used to watch it all the time i just loved how they performed so well they had kind of like the acoustic step to start the show and then they kind of went then henley went back behind the set and they did all their all their hits and some not so known songs i thought it was a, a great concert and that's kind of how i got introduced to them so but yeah great band they're all very talented joe walsh is so great right i love his work with the james gang and some solo stuff tied into a beatles right <laughs> you can you can tie joe walsh to the beatles as well right now um but yeah great, great band for sure and what's your go-to track um, so on the hell freeze is over. Like they do the song called wasted time, which, um, <laughs> I, I love the version. I love that hell freezes version over. Like I, cause I would go back and listen to like the record on the studio album. And I'm like this, it wasn't even like the same song. It seemed like almost, um, definitely love that. I don't know if it's because of the live orchestra they had when they did the show or whatnot, but wasted time is really good. Or I would go with, um, uh timothy b schmidt song i believe i can't tell you why i think it's yeah. a, a great song that's mine that's my go-to i can't tell is you it? why. it's a beautiful song um great selection with the eagles dan that's a wonderful choice um legendary group not not much to add to it beyond what you said the only thing i'll add is i got into it as well with the hell freezes over i remember watching the live acoustic performance of hotel california and again the album and so forth so that interesting memory um scott how about you what's your final selection tonight it's tough. <laughs> There's so many ways I want to go. Like, should I go jazz? There are so many great jazz musicians that I love that have influenced me. But um, there's an era of rock that I think we haven't touched tonight. So I'm going to go that. I'm okay. going to go to the the grunge era, the lithium and XM era, channel 34. Um, and I'm going to go with Alice in Chains. I don't know if either of you are too familiar with the Seattle grunge sound or with Alice in Chains, but... Um, man, they were the soundtrack of the, of my high school <laughs> for, for me. Like um, just, I constantly had like an out, they, they didn't have many records really. Um, that was another band that unfortunately, and there was a, an, an incident with their lead singer, Lane Staley uh, left us way too early in the mid nineties there, but they just had a run of just some great records, some EPs. Um, they're most famously known for obviously probably man in the box off their first album, but um, so many deep cuts and they were just a talented group. I, I, their drummer has a very unique style um, to me. I'm a percussionist. I used to play drums in a band. So like, that was like how I kind of like resembled my playing was to him. 
But um, but Jerry Cantrell is a great singer, songwriter, guitarist, and um, just they weren't like the Nirvana or the Pearl Jam or even like the Soundgarden of that era. They were kind of more under the radar. And I just Allison Chains was just something I always had on playing in the playing in my old Chevy Cavalier. This is a great moment in the history of Stuff We Love podcast. This is a totally unexpected answer. <laughs> and uh, what is your go-to Allison Chains track? Um, so. The, my favorite album from them is their self-titled album or like some call, people call it the green CD or the three-legged dog because the cover has the three-legged dog on it. And I love the opening track called Grind. Um, I don't know if, if, if either I'm of you not, know. I'm not it, familiar, but, but I would, I, I'm going to make kinda it like a heavy, kind of heavier song. But um, but like I should send you a couple of their tracks, Scott, because they do some really great harmonies. So Jerry Cantrell and Lane Staley like sing really well together. It's not like Beach Boy quality, but they do have some really good harmonies like Heaven Beside You is another song where there's some great lyrics and harmonies, but uh, I like what they do there on Grind, and uh, that whole album, Start to Finish, is, is one of my favorites of all time. Very cool. I, I wish I could contribute a go-to track for me, but I, I truth is, I'm just not familiar yeah. with their catalog, although many of my friends are big Alice in Chains fans. I didn't mean I, to throw a curveball. I just wanted to represent some, some of the grunge scene. No, this is good. This is good. Um, Dan, are you an Alice in Chains fan? Um, I like Alice in Chains. Um, Dirt was the first uh, album that I picked up by them. Um, and uh, my go-to track is is the last track on on that album, which is Wood. Yep. Um, awesome. Yeah, so that's a awesome track. Um, and yeah, definitely uh, not as knowledgeable as of them as um, other bands but enough enough to get by and um i feel like yeah they were kind of like the unsung heroes of the grunge era um because they didn't have as much of the uh the spotlight on them as uh, as nirvana did or pearl jam or Soundgarden, um or even like stone temple pilots mm-hmm. um but uh but they were a great a great band and, and a band whose run unfortunately was you know short, right? shorter mm-hmm. than it should have been yeah but i just um the classic rock is clearly like my scene but like there was just like i forgot about stone temple pilots too like if you listen to 34 on lithium on xm i'm sure both of you have listened to that channel before like it's just it's just a a flashback to me to the 90s which is when you know i was in high school you know so that was just uh that was my scene for sure yeah um, and allison james played a big role in that i loved uh the uh on the uh unplugged episode that they did uh, the bass player mocking uh, Metallica. He had written on yes. his face, friends don't let friends get bad haircuts. Yeah. <laughs> I think they play a little clip of Enter Sandman at one point too, because I think Metallica is in audience in that show. Yeah, I think they were yeah. there. So like in between like one of the songs, it might the album might actually pick it up, but they, they play like the intro to Enter Sandman or something, which is kind of cool. Great selection, Scott. Um, wonderful choice. And I guess with that... Um, I'll go to my last selection. And I think that many people may hear this answer and think I'm going for a curveball here as well. But if you listen to the Stuff We Love podcast, you'll know that it maybe is the most predictable answer that I could give. And that one is someone who Billy Joel said is the Beatles of her generation. Someone who, if I have this correct, according to Forbes, this artist and the Beatles are the only artists in history to have five albums spend at least six weeks at number one on the Billboard 200. 
This person has won the Grammy for album of the year three times, even though this person is only 32 years old. And this person is Miss Taylor Swift. Now, this may seem like a surprise, but I will now try to make an argument why she cracks my top five. And it's interesting because you guys may recall at the beginning of the pandemic, she released the album Folklore, which was a surprise album. No one knew it was coming. It was recorded with um, this guy, Aaron Dresner of The National, an indie group that's quite popular. And I had a lot of people that knew I was listening to Taylor Swift for years come to me when that album came out and said, you know what? I've been listening to Folklore. It's such a great album. Every track is spectacular. I never knew that she was such a talented songwriter. And I said, well, now you know, and you got to go back and you got to listen to these tracks. And I would direct them and they would come back and say, you know, you're absolutely right. This, these songs are perfection. I think just like I mentioned earlier tonight with the Beach Boys, when you mention the Beach Boys, a lot of people have in their mind those, you know, poppy songs that I mentioned. I think when you mentioned Taylor Swift, a lot of people automatically go to the poppy songs that are all over the hits radio songs like shake it off and things like that, which I happen to like, but to me, I would never point to and say, this is why this artist cracks my top five. Um, throughout her career, going back to her first album, she has this unbelievable ability to write these gorgeous melodies and come up with these lyrics that are just classic storytelling. And that has continued from the first album all the way through to Folklore and Evermore, which really are works of art by themselves. Even as she's gone back now and re-recorded her catalog due to the legal dispute she was in about ownership of her music, the songs that she's now releasing, which were previously unreleased, that never made the original albums, just like with the Beatles, in some cases are better than the songs, in my opinion, at least, that actually made the album. And, you know, one of my favorite music journalists who I've talked about here on the podcast before, Rob Sheffield, who writes for Rolling Stone, he's a hardcore Beatles fan. He's written books, a great book about the Beatles, extensive articles, interviewed Paul and Ringo. He also happens to be a huge Taylor Swift fan, and he has compared Swift to McCartney in the sense, not saying that their songs are as good as one another, although I think you can make the argument that in some cases they are, but just this sense of melody, uh, creativeness, artistic drive, and so forth. So, you know, I could go on and on about this for the next four hours, but in the, for the sake of time, I'll, I won't go any further except to say that she is one of my top artists of all time. And uh, I think now a, she has a fan base that's much broader than it ever was before. I think kind of like with the, this is kind of a silly statement to make, but just like with the Beatles, how when the Beatles first emerged on the scene, their fan base was mostly teenage girls. But then over time, as their artistic output increased, the fan base increased to include guys, girls, all ages. That is kind of what's happening with Taylor Swift. And so my go-to Taylor Swift track, I don't even know where to choose, but I'll choose one that I think showcases this uh, songwriting quality that I speak of. And if I had to choose one, I would highlight this song called Last Kiss, which is on her Speak Now album. It's kind of a long song. It's five or six minutes long, but it talks about the end of their relationship and just great melody, great lyrics, poetic, um, that type of stuff. Another song that I love of Taylor Swift is called Begin Again. It's the last track on Red, which talks about how she's come out of a relationship and she meets someone new in a cafe 
and uh, how the relationship blossoms from there. Just beautiful, epic song. And uh, I will leave it at that. So guys, what are your thoughts on one of the biggest celebrities in the world, Taylor Swift? I, I don't have much more to add there, Scott. Um, I know that you and I think it's Joe that talk about Taylor Swift all the time on the show. That is true. We've uh, had episodes yeah. with our friend Alex where we talk about Taylor Swift yeah. and they are among our most downloaded songs, uh, downloaded episodes. I yeah. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. Um, but yeah, so I'm not deep into the Taylor Swift catalog, um, but but when I hear her songs, like I'm, so I'm only familiar with the pop song. So you and I need to talk offline and maybe you can give me some recommendations on albums or tracks to listen to. I was taking some notes from the two that you just mentioned mm-hmm. um, to take a deep dive into. Cause like, I'm all about like creative storytelling, you know, harmonies, melodies. And, you know, if, if she's got that in her, in her bag or her catalog, I want to listen to it for sure. But I'm really only familiar with like the, the poppy songs. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, like I love the song end game. <laughs> like, that has, it's like, a great song. It's a great like, song. Yeah. yeah. It's catchy. It's a catchy song. It is. But, um, my go-to, I guess, would be like one of the first songs I ever heard from Taylor Swift, which was um, Love Story, uh, like right. that Romeo Juliet song. Like, I don't know. It's a fun little catchy song from back in the day, but uh, I definitely want to explore the catalog just based on um, your recommendation and everything you've had to say about her. Scott, I'll give you a, uh, I'll send you a text or something with maybe five to 10 Swift songs that I think would be up your alley, songs that you would like. And okay. uh, I appreciate that. Of I, course. That, That'll be my homework assignment. I'm the, calling out of work. I hop on the next episode. <laughs> I'm calling out of work. This is my job tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, how about you? Um, I'm in the same boat as Scott. I, I really only know the pop songs. Um, I really haven't delved deep into her catalog. Um, I'll, I'll I'll say my, uh, you know, my go-to track would be "Shake It Off." It's fun to sing in the car when no one's looking. Uh, it's a great song. <laughs> it is a fun song. Uh, it is it is a lot of fun, but you know um, I'd be interested in, uh, in 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 delving a little bit deeper as well. Um, and you know I know people uh, criticize, um, you know that all of her songs are kind of about the same thing. You know you hear that a lot. Uh, they all deal with end of a relationship, but uh, you know uh, Bruce Springsteen is a legend, and a lot of his songs are about the same thing too. So uh, Bruce Springsteen, I think, is the only person who has. Uh, uh, a concept album all of the same song so uh <laughs> um i feel like it, uh just because the 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 um topic is the same um or the muse is the same throughout the the, the writing doesn't mean that a person isn't an artist um so i uh, would love to hear more of her stuff and uh you know go beyond the pop uh the pop stuff because it, it you know didn't steer me wrong when when that uh, happened with the Beach Boys, Scott. So okay, this is my new mission. Then this is great. <laughs> You'll be included on this text as well. Um, so here, let me make a note that I had Taylor as my final choice. And to conclude, I'm going to read back our selections. And guys, thanks for being here tonight. This is just awesome. This is uh, a lot of fun. This is no offense fun. to all the other great bands and artists that we left off. Like, I'm. Shoot, Dan just mentioned Bruce Springsteen. You just mentioned Billy Joel, which was like my wife and I like listen to Billy Joel constantly when we we're dating. How could I forget Billy Joel? Right? It's it's right. really hard to come up with five. Um, Very hard. A lot yeah. We we did fifteen uh, between the three of us, and no one mentioned the Rolling Stones. So it's it, wow. it's, it's difficult. Yeah. Wow. It's a difficult thing to do. I didn't catch that. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. 
Anyhow, here's the selection. So Dan, here are your five. Queen, The Who, Michael Jackson, David Bowie, and The Eagles. Scott, here are yours. Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, Chicago, The Jimi Hendrix Experience, and Alice in Chains. <laughs> and mine were The Beach Boys, Frank Sinatra, Michael Jackson, Simon and Garfunkel, and Taylor Swift. That's a list right there. That is a list. And outside of maybe like Frank Sinatra, the Beatles influenced them all. <laughs> that is true. Indeed, it is true. Um, now, guys, let me ask you, because I didn't think of this, but if you guys had one ready to go, do you have any stuff we love recommendations for tonight besides this stuff? I wrote something down just in case if you were going to ask that question. Go ahead, Scott. <laughs> um, it's more like a more like a stuff I love hobby that I'm doing right now. But, um, you know, we love music. Obviously, that was the topic of tonight. Um, based on previous episodes I've been on for this podcast, I love Disney too, as everyone knows. So I'm trying to mesh the two right now. So Epcot at Walt Disney World has its 40th anniversary coming up. And if you've ever been, you know, if you ever toured around Epcot through the, throughout the 40 years, you know, there's great music to be heard anywhere in that park, whether it's in mm-hmm. World Showcase, listening to other country background loops or the futuristic creative music of Future World. So I've been taking a deep dive, Scott, into music of the past of Epcot and trying to come up with uh, my own little playlist to kind of get me in the mood, you know, for that 40th anniversary that's coming up later this year in October. So that's kind of been a little fun project I've been doing on and I'm loving it. So that is the stuff I love because I love doing that research. Are you creating a playlist of this on Apple Music? Yes. I don't know how to do that necessarily because I'm taking like so for instance, like the Illuminations old show, they have like all these commercial songs that play in a loop before the show would start. So I've taken those tracks and like kind of combined it into like, you know, a 30 minute track that plays that loop. So I don't know if that's a way to like, you can't really put that on right. Apple Music, you know, because it's a file that I've created. But um, since you're a friend of mine, you know, I would be happy to sh- send you those uh, those files through like an SD card maybe. And then <laughs> sure. you can put it on your Apple cool. Music. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, Epcot has great music associated with it, and it's so diverse. I mean, you have the entrance to Future World, which is it, it no longer plays there at the entrance, but I just remember. So I have a lot of those files. There's ways you can kind of find some of those tracks. Sure. So, sure. so that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm trying to just make like a greatest hit, like the Impressions de France soundtrack, I think Beautiful. is one of the greatest arrangements of all time. Um so yeah, I'm just, it's been like pretty fun and I'll share it with you when I, when I get cool. to the final copy. Thanks Scott. That's awesome. Uh, Dan, do you have a stuff we love recommendation? Um, I just watched a uh, documentary. Um, it's, it's a couple years old on a uh, Genesis called some of the parts. Uh, yes. Um, and it just goes through their career going back to uh, the uh, Peter Gabriel days. Um, and then through to uh, Phil Collins taking over and then uh, the tour before last, the, tour before this one um which was uh well uh early 2010s i want to say or no probably late 2000s like 2007 around there um but it's just a really cool documentary um and i think it it it, um sheds a light on their artistry through their career and shows them as more more than just the uh the pop band that many remember them as being from like 1980 three on mm-hmm. um so it was a great uh, great documentary enjoyed it a lot where did you see it um i saw it on um amazon prime okay amazon prime very cool yeah mm-hmm. 
Great group. Genesis easily could made a top five list here. Could have made the top five. Could have made yeah, the we didn't really have sure. like any like progressive rock bands. Like yes. Yeah, we we <laughs> rush. No, we didn't we didn't go prog rock. Yeah. It's true. Anyhow, I'll give you a stuff we love recommendation. I just looked it up on my phone because I couldn't remember which movie this was, but there's a new movie on Netflix. It's called Metal Lords. It's a fun movie. It's a high school movie about a kid who is extremely into heavy metal music, like death metal type music. And he uh, is the only one in his high school who is a fan of it. And he recruits his longtime best friend, who's very different from him, to be the drummer for this group. And they bring in a, uh, a female bass player who plays cello. And it's all about their effort to form a band and join the battle of the bands. It's a very fun movie. It literally just came out last week. I don't know if you guys saw the image on Netflix of this uh, for this movie, but I recommend it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, not necessarily for little kids because there's some foul language in there and all that stuff, but uh, good, good music, good times. And I enjoyed it. So that's metal Lords. Well, guys, thank you. This has been awesome. I feel inspired to listen to music now, as I always do after our episodes. And uh, I will work on that Taylor Swift playlist immediately. <laughs> get it to you by tomorrow. <laughs> so the stuff we love podcast can be found on Twitter at stuff. We love pod. We are on Instagram at stuff. We love podcast. We're on TikTok at Stuff We Love Podcast. We have a YouTube page and a Facebook page. Our website is stuffwelovepodcast.podbean.com. And you can write to us at stuffwelovepodcast at gmail.com. And I am on Twitter at scottyboy4. And uh, Scott, tell us where we can find you on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at Epscott. Speaking of, I was just talking about Epcot there. Um, it's E-P-S-C-O-T. Uh, you'll see a lot of Disney stuff from me, maybe some music stuff, maybe me running around doing all sorts of fun stuff in the beautiful state of Michigan, but mostly you'll see me at, at Walt Disney World on that, that social media account. Very cool. And you inspire me when you go there for things I want to do when I'm at Disney World. And Dan, <laughs> when you go to, we're all, we're all going to Disney World this year, which is, uh, which is very cool. Um, mm-hmm. Awesome, guys. Well, listen, thanks again. And um, with that, we will go around the table one more time. I am Scott. I'm Scott. And I'm Dan. And this has been the Stuff We Love podcast.